and good morning everybody or good afternoon or good evening or if you're mr fretz's uh listening late at night because i know you are mr fretz uh go to sleep fretz please uh but <laughs> my voice soothe you to sleep mr fretz <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen this is kings of the rings podcast of course i'm your host king ricky rose alongside willie t and kate murphy and obviously in the year 2020 it's an interesting time to be in live there is uh there's a global pandemic going on there is fights for racial equality and social justice uh heightened uh and then having increased scrutiny on uh police brutality and systematic racism and a lot of that has really been glossed over for the most part in the world of wrestling however in well, last week, since our last two, since our last episode, episode two hundred, Wrestling World has been, uh, I wouldn't say exposed, but they have. There's been a new light shed on a a part of the culture of wrestling that apparently has been rampant for years. Of course, obviously, we are talking about uh, the speaking out uh, movement that began on uh twitter where several uh several people from twitter some being wrestling personalities some being uh not i guess for for the sake of this podcast not wrestlers but fans who had engaged in relationships with wrestlers had called out a a a laundry list of known wrestlers for the most part and some wrestling executives uh, for sexual assault allegations, uh, psychological manipulation, everything under the sun. This is a massive list, folks, of individuals, people um, like Matt Riddle. You also have Travis Banks of NXT UK. A lot of NXT UK people, Jack Gallagher, uh, most recently Sammy Guevara of AEW, Jimmy Havoc. There's so many people here to name a. There's it's 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 it does a disservice to name a few, uh. But these are some of the names that really have stuck out. We also had the former, um, well now former because he was he was released. Like the former like executive producer of NWA Power, was uh, alleged to have engaged in unwanted sexual advances, and like I said, we're just naming a few because there is literally so many that it's shaking uh and it's really breaking down a fourth wall and it's really making you reconsider uh, a lot in wrestling so what we're gonna do today uh it's gonna be a little bit different obviously we are gonna be who we are in the latter half of the show but right now this is something that i feel like we all agreed upon that needs to be addressed and looked at from various angles and perspectives so when you listen to this please (laughs) be advised that it that it may get a little bit uh graphic in nature but uh as the saying goes we need to have these uncomfortable conversations if we're going to make any sort of change we want to have the wrestling experience that is uh that is fair and just for every wrestling fan regardless of race creed sexuality religious perspective so on and so forth we have to have these uncomfortable conversations of understanding and, and try, not of understanding, but to try to gain a better understanding of all the different perspectives and why things happen 
and why they shouldn't happen and what we can do to prevent this from continuing to happen. So uh, I'm going to stop speaking for a little bit. I'm going to open up the floor to, to the Kate Murphy so you can uh, start with some, I guess, some opening remarks. So, Kate, what do you have? Well, I'm starting the show. That's fucking weird. Um, I... I have the very unique opportunity, uh, not opportunity, the very unique experience of being female bodied. And I have the even uniquer insight of being somebody that has worked in the wrestling business. And what's really fucked up about the entire speaking out movement is that every story I have heard does not shock me in the slightest. As much fun as I had working in NYWC and as is much as I loved, you know, being in front of a crowd and fucking around outside of the ring, there, like, not to, no pun intended, there is a very dark side of the ring and it all happens backstage, you know? I remember alcohol everywhere, like, people drinking in the locker room, like, the other wrestlers would always encourage me to drink, like, before my, before a match and my stables, like, would not, they, forbade me from drinking with all the boys because they didn't want anything happen to me you know it's it's very dangerous being a female in the wrestling business and the after parties i went to some of the most i ever drank some of the most wild experiences ever and somebody that got called out ironically enough had to check on me after a night of drinking because he was worried it could have ended badly for me and what's really fucked is the world is a scary place to be a woman. And a lot of people look to wrestling for an escape for the fantasy. And a lot of people that buy into this fantasy, they try to pursue wrestling. And when they mm. finally attain their fantasy, it's just as bad as the real world, if not worse, because you are more likely to be manipulated. You are more likely to be exposed to alcohol or drugs. You are more likely to be suggested to wear more suggestive clothing in order to guarantee a spot on the card. I, my original gimmick, they wanted me to be sexy and alluring. And when they realized I, I'm not that at all, I'm awkward and gangly, we had to change up my gimmick. So your only option as a woman is you can either be sexy or you can be creepy. So wow. they're not, yeah, there aren't very many boxes no, like, they can that's, really that, put that, you that's, in. That's very like, sorry to cut you off, Kate, but that's like very eye-opening. Because it's it's very true. If you just go back in the history of wrestling, like especially like um, the past twenty years, you're either sexy or you're creepy. That's a very good way yeah. of putting it. And obviously, the default is always sexy first. They always want to see how much sex they can squeeze out of you. And when you can't produce what they need you to produce, they have to reevaluate. So I can do creepy better. I'm more funny anyway. So. I turned into me. My my actual real life giggle is so ludicrous. They made it a part of my gimmick. Like, <laughs> but even experiences like I had, like within the business, I felt like I couldn't fully, you know, be myself. I felt that I always had to maintain a certain amount, like a certain personality, in order to not fall 
down the pyramid. I I had issues with people in the locker room that ultimately ended up me leaving because it's, just, it's uncomfortable. I got ex- I was I talked to I had a relationship like a platonic relationship with somebody in the company. I don't want to do a whole fucking speaking out thing because there's no point. Like nothing. I wasn't assaulted or anything i was just i had somebody in the company that was very manipulative and very controlling and very gaslighting like to get into my head and make me feel like shit anytime i did something wrong or something that he didn't deem good enough for my gimmick and you know the 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 there is always like a blurry line between who I am as a person and who my gimmick was because he never allowed me to have this, a distinct separation. Like I personally don't believe if I could, if I ever wrestled again, I would want a gimmick that's very similar to who I am because you, I think you need a separation. Like look at fucking Joey Ryan. Like his gimmick is dicks and he's the biggest dick of them all. Like, the whole it just bothers me. This whole situation has just really bothered me. Like as somebody that's worked in the business, as somebody that's had negative experiences of the same nature outside of the wrestling business, it's just there's no reprieve from it. And what's really mm-hmm. fucked up is that rather than train men how to behave, they have to train women how to prevent like preventative action. Like instead of, oh, tell boys to not be distracted by girls wearing a tank top in the summer. It's you have to go home and change because your shoulder is a distraction to boys. Or when you're walking to your car and I make sure your keys are between your knuckles. Make sure you have pepper spray in your bag. If you're going on a Tinder date, make sure your location is shared with a multitude of friends that are nearby so they know where you are. You have to check in like you can't just go out and be safe there is a multitude of precautions you have to take just for being a woman or being a female-bodied person or even a queer person or a trans person if you were not a cis man you are not safe and the problem with everything going on in the wrestling business is you're the number one thing they care about is in ring safety. What about locker room safety? Where the fuck is locker room safety? Tuck your chin, put your dick away. End of story. Next, Mr. Well, Tyshaw. Damn, Kate uh, Murphy. Up, How the hell do I follow that? That was incredible. <laughs> um, Thank Kate, you, that was, Kate. That was the best speech you've ever had on the show. Um, but no, Thank you. In, in all in all seriousness, when it comes to situations like this. Um, it's very important to one have, excuse me, have the conversation, but it's more important how you have the conversation. And the conversations like this, you gotta understand all viewpoints. You gotta understand um, the different circumstances, and you gotta understand perspective in the full context. And you gotta do it with with respect. Um, so that's what's gonna be most interesting here, because uh, Kate Murphy has a very different perspective from me who has an incredibly different perspective from Ricky from all different backgrounds. So it's going to be interesting. Um, I will probably make statements that I don't necessarily 100% agree with um, just because it just it tells the full story or like the full perspective or different context. And that's very important when you talk about these things um, because whenever you have an accusation, 
you it has to be taken seriously. Now, that does not mean you immediately believe whoever's making the accusation or where you don't automatically believe who's defending themselves. It, but you need to have perspective and it needs to be taken seriously. So my whole thing is that some situations are way different than others and they need to be they need to be handled appropriately. And one thing is not equal to another. And we gotta try to avoid hypothetical situations that this doesn't help anything. Because you gotta deal with what you have and what you know. And you gotta realize that listen, none of us were there. So we don't know what happens. The only person who know what happened are people who were there. So I, that's another thing. I, I, I'm trying. To, I'm gonna try not to act in absolutes since I feel like I know what happened because I wasn't there. So I think that's really just where I stand on it. Um, I'm excited for you guys to change my mind and give me new perspectives. Pretty much what Will's saying is that Will's going to be the heel in this conversation. I don't want to be the heel, um, but I'm going to come off as the heel. Yeah, it, it, it's it's I, like I agree with Will. It is necessary to ask these questions because we need to have people who are not who are who are willing to ask these questions. It's going to be triggering to to myself or Kate or any of you listening. Yeah. It's intended to be. And I'm I'm going to you present know, it, one viewpoint and then Ricky or Kate's going to completely demolish it most likely. And I'm going to be like I agree with you. <laughs> because yeah. like but like I said, that that's the intent. Yeah. We have to, you have to get these questions out in the open so that people understand. We we would be doing you guys a disservice if we didn't ask these questions. We just had a general, overall agreement on everything that we talk yeah. about. I don't want this to be an echo mm -hmm. chamber. Yeah, yeah. This this has to be. This, there has to be a little bit of difference here because that's the only way we get to a better understanding is that we talk about each other's differences. I think our. Uh, so be with us. Yes, Kate, Hi, sorry. sorry. I think our three perspectives are so radically different that I don't think it would be possible to have an echo chamber today. It's not. <laughs> it is not yeah. humanly possible, and we, I'm really excited about that. We've been going back and forth yeah. all week in our group chat, so it's going to be a lot of rehashing. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, so just to give you guys a little bit of perspective. Hi, I'm King Ricky Rose. I am a uh, African-American from Long Island, New York, uh, and I have a specialty in... Uh, in psychology, I have a mental health counselor, uh, master's degree, and a psychology background. I also work in the field of investigations for the uh, mentally and developmentally disabled. You have Kate Murphy, who is uh, who is gender non-binary, uh, white uh, white bodied, I guess female body. Yes, would you be to call Kate? White. And then you have Will Terrence. Mm -hmm. Or you if you don't, sorry, I had an educational oh, moment. If you don't want to say female <laughs> body, there's another term called AFAB, assigned female as birth. So you could also use AFAB. Gotcha. Or if you ever came across someone that was male bodied, that is either non-binary or a transgender woman, they would be described um, a MAB, assigned male as birth. Fun fact of the day. Gotcha. Sorry. I like, I like female body. That makes a lot more sense to me. I actually, I actually yeah, really like that female yeah. bodied. Yeah, th mm -hmm. that's since I learned the term female bodied, that has helped me come like feel a lot less dysphoric because I always struggled with like female things, and we've talked about this already. But yeah, f the f being a woman and being and being feminine are not the same. And once you Correct. separate yourself from that, it's very freeing. You tend to feel better, I find. 
Yes, and then you also have Will Tarasak here, who is uh, an an American white I'm a male, straight white male, I'm a cisgendered male. I'm the I'm the enemy. From Boston, no less. <laughs> from Boston. Wow. From Boston. You are the heel. <laughs> you are the heel of this episode. Yeah. You're a boy the from Boston. The heartbeat of America right here. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's going to be an interesting conversation. So I think the, the easiest way for us to start off here is uh, let's, let's, let's go into my, I guess, area. It's the field of psychology and, and manipulation mm-hmm. uh will you mentioned this before uh about there is a, a stark difference and i do kind of agree between what is uh physical assault and then psychological manipulation i don't want to say that one's worse than the other but there are some differences i would say in potentially lasting effects I find from what I've learned and from what I've experienced uh, throughout my time in the field and also as being an investigator of abuse um, and neglect, psychological effects seem to have, if they are, if there's true psychological effect, they seem to have very more long-term lasting effects. Like a bruise goes away for the most part. Uh, But when you, when you get into the, into the mind of an individual and you have that traumatic effect and a traumatic event and just creating the traumatic event in general um it, it's hard to to get out of that um and especially if then it goes from psychological manipulation to physical coercion or physical force then it opens up a whole new can of worms and you and even when the event is over you get ptsd uh symptoms uh, depending on you know the the, ext- the extreme of it, uh, but be that as it may, like Will said, we have to take kind of everything with a grain of, not a grain of salt, but you got to take everything and kind of face value, and you have to really look into the differences and the scenarios, uh, and and what and what is going on. I'm kind of going around back and forth because it's 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 hard to really encapsulate everything you want to talk about in this because it's 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 nauseating it's a it it is uh it is angering obviously to me because it's uh it's one of those things that you feel like men should be taught but they're not so let's let's start with this let's go with the 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 i'll i'll pass it off to you real quick you know in in recent times it's like no means no but for males in this society almost I guess any race or gender, for the most part, we are taught that no doesn't always mean no. No can be turned into a yes. Yeah. Yeah. Verbatim. Mm-hmm. And we are taught that uh, that you have some you have some leeway you can get away with before things become troubling. And the the system has shown that, unfortunately. So, Will, can you comment on that a little bit more? Yeah, I mean, no. I mean, obviously, no means no. That's a very easy statement to get behind. Um, like, I've definitely been in situations where, if, if, if I'm not not necessarily I'm dating for a girl, I'm just kind of like casually talking to, then be hooking up, whatever. And if I try to do something and she says no, obviously I stop. And some people don't stop. Then you're 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 a disgusting human being. But. Like that no for tonight can lead to a yes tomorrow. And then sometimes a guy, you don't know that 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 yes is really something that makes them feel 
like they're just forced into it. And that is a version of assault. Um, but sometimes a guy literally just doesn't know that, right? There is a there is a guy trying to get laid, especially a young guy, like in his early 20s in college where it happens most frequently. Like some guys just, this is just thinking very straight-minded. Now that's, that's not, yeah. that's definitely not fair to the woman. Like if they feel like they're being forced into it, yeah, that's an issue. That's definitely an issue. And no does mean no, but I mean, even if like you're in a relationship with someone and you know, a no can be turned into a yes, but that's, it's, it's a degree, right? Like that's something like that is a, is a degree. I'm not saying you can't abuse someone or, uh, in a, that you're in a relationship with and you can't harass someone you're in a relationship with, but it's different circumstances for different cases. Oh, for sure. Like, there are different, like, even in the eyes of the law, there are different degrees of how severe a rape is. So, say somebody tries to press charges against a stranger that assaulted them, that case is more likely to sit in front of a judge than somebody going against their partner because it's, like, within the home, like, it probably wasn't abuse. They want to they just brush it under the rug. Yeah. Like... There are just, there are so many, there's a lot of risk with trying to report it and trying to come forward with it. Um. There's also the guise of uh, the legal, uh, not, I, it's not a legal loophole, but there's a legal precedent of um, a partner confidentiality. Mm-hmm. Mm. That you know, it, it when when discussing things, you know, you can you can disclose stuff to your spouse, even incriminating stuff to your spouse, and that can't be held against. They can't be held against you in the court of law. Yeah, because mm-hmm. there's a it's it's called spousal privilege, I believe. And even just it's another that sounds point. right. Even just another point, like for yeah. young couples, um, there can be circum circumstances where it's 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 just like. It's it's like it's part of growing up, right? It's a situation that isn't crazy uncommon. It's just something like when you're young and you're in your first relationship, you know, kind of your first experience, you don't really know what to do, and that kind of helps define like the gray area. Like obviously, there's some ca- some cases that are clearly black and white of like physical abuse, leaving bruises, legitimately raping someone, but in some cases that could just be a simple misunderstanding where you're just inexperienced and you just don't know from both sides, right? They could be like perceived as something and it's just misconstrued or mis- mis- miscommunicated. Um, and it just, it's just blown out of proportion. It, that, that, that's one, just some... But one misunderstanding and you ruin someone's life forever. Yeah. Regardless sure. of whether you wanted to or not. Like I've had a situation where... I was traumatized for years and years and years and years and years later when I was an adult and I felt more ready to heal, I I investigated the situation and turned out the situation was not exactly like, like the words no were not heard. Hmm. And there, there is forgiveness and there is an apology and all of those things, which are well and good, but that doesn't always happen. But like, it's just, it's the matter of whether or not someone says something loud enough or whether or not someone says anything at all, or whether or not someone knows to understand something that makes the difference between just a normal moment or trauma 
and it's yeah. it's a really scary line to cross and some things are impossible mm -hmm. to define right because like who mm -hmm. are you who are you to tell me how i should feel or how who are you to tell me how i perceive the situation who are you who but are you the to moment tell me someone tells you something is trauma it's trauma and you cannot debate that no one can debate that yes like once like what you mean by that is once someone tells you they have been traumatized correct huh. i think what she's getting at is that uh I, I let me see if i can kind of make it simpler so let's say um let, let's take a let's say let's say you, you there's a bunch of cookies being baked between two people and you are feeding each other per se this is a horrible example this is what i'm this is what's going on in my head uh you're feeding each other cookies and you're you're feeding somebody cookies it's like oh i don't or they are like oh i don't want any more cookies but you keep you're like i'm full i don't want any more cookies but you keep feeding them like no you're not full that's not what you really mean and you keep feeding them cookies you feed them cookies you feed them cookies but they just told you they were full but you can't you don't know for sure that they are full you have to go on the word of somebody else that they're full and if you don't believe their word then you know it's it's like well I don't believe it. it. It's hard for what I find and what I've noticed that it, it's hard for a, a lot of people to get out of that sense of self mm. where it's like, I well, I feel this way and this is what I wanted. And it's sometimes it's in a lot of the times, especially with people who are sexual predatorial, predatorial and and pedoph and pedophilic in uh, by disorder. Um, it's hard to get out of that sense of self and really emphasize, really even just have any consideration of what the other person might be experiencing because there is such a, there's such a drug to the drug and an addiction to the experience that they are having that that's the only thing they're really focusing yeah, on. Yeah, it's not about you. Mm -hmm. And so when that occurs, you know, um, it's it becomes it's it's one track mind you know you know it's like i'm enjoying myself this is exactly what i want and even the even the person that could be saying no can clearly be saying no but for some reason the other person the abuser will we'll say that as an umbrella term uh at this point a person who is perceived to be committing uh sexual abuse doesn't hear that or chooses actively not to hear that because that person is getting what they want out of it. A hundred percent. It's a satisfaction. You know, and from what I've noticed also in the field, as you guys know, I'm also, King Ricky Rose did not come from a podcast. It came from my time working at the bars. And, it, you know, talking about the, the culture uh, aspect of, of sexual assault, rape culture, which is so buzzword. And I'm really against buzzword things, just like personally, because I think it really... It really uh, dilutes what pe what you're trying to tell people, mm -hmm. but that's another topic for another time. But in you know in obviously in a in a young bar scene in college bar scenes where you have kids who aren't always sexually active in college who maybe be who are not in college who aren't sexually active in high school who may be late bloomers and are coming into settings where there's alcohol and drugs involved and you have staff and security. Who are there obviously to protect the patient, but they're also there to make money, who may be actively turning a blind eye to things that may be blatant 
sexual assault because it's dimly lit. There's music going on. You can't hear anything. It's under the guise of, of alcohol. And, you know, becoming, you know, an 18-year-old person and seeing that and potentially seeing blatant potential sexual assault in, in a public forum like that and watching somebody get away with it because security's turning a blind eye uh, because it seems to be accepted because guys might be cheering another guy on. Uh, it, it really warps your, mm. your, your, your kind of reality. Like, oh, okay, to, to, to everybody else around here, this is acceptable. This is the cool thing to do. And then when that person gets charged years later, you know, you, you, they, the defense is, well, she wanted it, every, or not not really everybody else would do it, but she wanted it, it was okay, she didn't say anything, I didn't hear anything, or the classic, we were both drunk. You know, and I think that's an important thing to, to realize is that we as a society, uh, like Kate said earlier, we don't, um, we don't really have those talks with our male-bodied individuals. Um, or even with the female body individual, the only talk that I remember really having is to talk about puberty and your body changing and the talk about, you know, uh, wearing, being, being, uh, being, or wearing protection if you are to engage in sex. There's very rare conversation that I had growing up about the, the, the art of consent. Yeah. Same, Ricky. Like, I didn't have those conversations ever, but... That's maybe that's because my parents just didn't want to have it with me or they didn't think I needed it. I don't I don't know. But or I don't I, I, I couldn't tell you I had to I had to actually ask my mother, hey mom, how can we never talk about rape culture? But um that's a that's a conversation a lot of people don't have. And my main reason maybe for me is because no one thought I needed to have it. See, yeah, it's a it's a blind it's a it's like oh he's a good kid or she's a good kid or they are a good yeah. kid, they would never engage in something like that. It's it's that guise of 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 infantile innocence. But when I was in school, I remember in fifth grade we had to do like the puberty video, so they split up the boys and the girls, and yep. then I remember we did other and then we did other videos in middle school, and I remember specifically in sixth grade. The girls got separated and we had to watch a video. And I remember that was the first time I learned what rape was. And I didn't know what it was and I didn't understand it. I just remember they told me to ask my mom what rape meant because they didn't want to tell me. Um, but from like age 11, they were teaching us what it like, what rape was and how to how to be smart and how to be safe. Age 11, like I was getting out of playing with Barbies at age 11. Like, and that's a that's a reality that that I men don't go through. I never had the rape talk about anything. No, never, ever. Mm-hmm. That that's the god honest truth. Never had the rape talk. You're even in in male, I guess in I guess cisgender male culture. Uh, you're glorified sometimes for in uh, for using your your perceived power and dominance over somebody like a perceived less powerful like female bodied person see like it, it's it's kind of glorified it's just there's a double standard on so many levels so like when i was in school like i lost my virginity at a young age i was the school slut for having sex once 
Whereas if a boy had sex once, he was a stud. He was a pimp. He was the man. I was a whore. I had AIDS. I was awful. It was awful. And how did that how did that affect you growing up? It affected me a lot, especially because like it wasn't it wasn't the fairy tale that like I fantasized about, like that the teen movies told me I should have. And I learned at a young age that sex isn't like the movies. That's like an unfortunate reality you need to have, but it's an unfortunate, but it's a wake up call you have to have. Like if you go through life thinking you're going to get some kind of fantasy, life's going to kick your ass. And I feel like such a horrible person for saying that. And I don't want to like dissuade anybody from like searching for their personal fantasy, but the fantasy doesn't exist. And you have to live in a world where you're vigilant and you have to have fucking eyes in the back of your head. That's just the way it is. Yeah, see, Kate, I'm and kind of not, the exact opposite. I didn't have a fantasy. I didn't have, like, a visualization. Motherfucker, I just wanted to get it over with so I could stop. No, no I'm serious. Like, a lot of guys just want to get it over with. And for me, like, I didn't lose mine until college. And I was just, like, I, I felt like a loser because, like, I was shitty with women. I still am to a certain extent. Like, I was just, like, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to get girls to like me. And I just wanted to get it over with because I was just young, dumb, and fucking horny. I'm, I'm still young. Yeah, no, it's boy. true. <laughs> you're, you're pers- if you're not having sex by a certain age in in the in a male perspective, you are you are lesser than. Yeah, I mean it's like that it's, can it's, it's, that can be said for both of the the uh, the genders or the sexes. However, if you're a woman and you haven't um been deflowered, um you're pure. That is at least some matter into that, which is sick in itself, which is weird in itself. Like, I had a dude that's been permeated through literature forever, too. I had a dude ask me how many people I had been with, and he's like, If it's below, if it's above a certain number, I can't date you. And I'm like, Well, I'm not (laughs) answering your question, I don't want to date you. Bye. Like, how do you have the audacity to ask somebody a question like that? Like, that's no one's business. That's another thing, another problem I have with men. Y'all don't know, learn, y'all aren't taught consent, and y'all aren't taught about boundaries. And men, at least from what I've experienced, men have this entitlement that because they're men and they have dicks, they can do whatever they want with them. And by exerting this control and this power they have they feel the need that they could ask of a woman whatever they want and it's okay and women have to bend to the will of the men because they're stronger and it's bullshit and y'all need to get it together men do better and that's been permeated across that's permeated across all different forms of media i mean we're talking going back to literature uh film anything you know it's very it's very rare that you know the woman gets the power that's a very new concept you know of of gender equality is a new concept yeah like women were fighting for the right just to vote a hundred years ago in the 1900 yeah in the 1920s just to vote wasn't anything else you know, and, and a lot of people forget that, you know, during war times like World War II and all the men were all fighting the good war 
you know who did all the jobs women. the women mm-hmm. yeah you know and then when the men came back from war you know the conquering hero they had this perceived level of authority and hero worship um which is another thing that i'm very uh i have a lot of strong opinions on hero worship and the the woman had to bend to the will of the man Ooh, no matter what she had been doing your before dick's hard. i'm so impressed I mean, I'm gonna be really break, mad about men. Let's, <laughs> this episode. Let's let's break down something here real quick. You know that famous photo uh, of the guy kissing the girl, kissing the girl? who like takes. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's I know. Sexual assault. Yep. That actually, kid, the the person who to uh, either the person who was in the photo or the person who took the photo came out and said that was sexual assault. I heard she was a lesbian too. Jeez. Um, oh man, that's I saw that's that rough. I saw that poster in so many college dorms in my youth. So many. It was up there like with the Marilyn Monroe poster and that picture of John Lennon with the circle sunglasses and the New York shirt. Mm. Well, I mean, well, it's going back to kind of the conquering hero and the uh it's that's that's just gender roles. Right? Like back back in like a that's just a different part of our society where this it was just different. It was just a different gender role. Men were all kid, like the provider. Men were this. Women were kind of more the housekeeper, the, the the caregiver, right? That's not, and that's evolving today. But you know, like in our DNA and in our in our, our evolution, that's like the men were the hunter gatherers and the women were like, um, you know, taking care of the kids. Yada 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 yada. That's just what we evolved into, and now we're evolving further where it is more of gender equality. But I you know that, what I learned? I, saw, I think that kind of diverts from the actual conversation we're having, though. That's more gender roles as opposed to, like, this rest, the rest of the stories here, which is assault. And the I guess that goes with the idea of the power. Like, men feel this power over women. Uh, Kate, let's kind of go back to your point. I don't think most men walk around going, uh, what woman can I overpower today? Not, I don't mean it like that, like not even in like an assaulty kind of way, but in some way, in one way or another, even if it's as something as small as men making more money than women, that's a kind of control and power men have over women. It's not like all men do it on purpose. It's just such yeah. the way of the world. It's a single. They, they have something called, have you ever heard of the pink tax, Will? The what? The pink tax. I've heard of it, but I don't know 100% what it is. Okay, so if you go to, like, the supermarket and you look at the pack of men's razors and then there's a pack of women's razors, the women's cost more money because they're in a pretty packaging. They do the same fucking thing. <laughs> a lot of products, that, and then they make products that are just basic human things, you know, like toothbrushes, dental right. floss, things like right. that. They'll make dental floss for her and put a fucking flower on it, charge it twice as much because it's a feminine product. It's dumb. I'll just... yeah, don't leave deodorant out, too. And fun fact, women's deodorant is better. Don't judge me. I'm just saying. It's true. No comment. Yeah, it, it's more effective. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> it is more effective. But let, let, I mean, we can obviously talk about the, the, on the, the culture of the world and of America, what we've grown up to. But let's really hone in now on this wrestling culture. And let's be honest with this. For the longest time, wrestling was a male dominated profession from from inside the ring to outside the ring a white male dominated profession that's why when yeah it Mm -hmm. still is you know because 
because if it, it, it was if it was more i guess diverse we wouldn't have this thing called the women's evolution or revolution or whatever the hell you want to call it that became such a big thing and also a very marketable thing from a business standpoint uh kofi winning wouldn't have stolen wrestlemania if he was seen as just a, another wrestler this has been a, a common theme for wrestling of, of the of the white male conqueror kind of and it, it, go, it permeates through how different genders and different races are kind of perceived and for some people you think it would just end in the ring but it doesn't end in the ring there's obviously like kate said a very big locker room culture of the quote guys being guys which has changed but for a lot of the time and i guess would you call like the 70s and the 80s like the wild wild west times of wrestling when things weren't so heavily regulated there was probably a lot of this stuff going on that nobody really talked about and so now fast forward into a newer generation of wrestlers coming up and they are idolizing these these people from the 70s 80s 90s and now you know the 2000s since we're further down the line and some of those people are still in the wrestling business they may not be wrestling but they're 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 training kids you know they're they're giving him advice backstage um and they're they're giving him life advice and a lot of people who get into wrestling who end up becoming successful have been in wrestling since like 18 like they skip college you know and and go to start training wrestling ddp is an exception because ddp got into wrestling at age 30 which is mind-blowing uh but you know you have a lot of these young impressionable minds learning from people that they idolize and so when you're learning from something that you idolize you feel like, all right, that person won't steer me wrong. <laughs> so when you when you really have that going on, like the person won't steer me wrong, it's pretty easy, you know. Like let's say they get in, he gets into or that that trainee uh, gets into uh, a suggestive situation with a with another female trainee or a female talent or something, and now the female talent wants to speak out, that male trainee, or male body trainee, goes to their to their mentor, and they could say like, you know what, I'll take care of it, don't worry about it, we're gonna protect you. You know, who is who is she? She means nothing. You know, and then you, you, you can, and they're like, oh, okay, and so you easily go along with this whole idea of a, a kind of a smear campaign that happens. Or, you know, burials or, or telling people or, you know, smearing her name across the wrestling world. Because the wrestling world is very, very small. Um, the word ring rat comes where to that mind. Person won't, yeah, and where the person isn't able to get bookings or isn't being put on TV because of their perceived persona. Because they spoke out. Yeah, there is an issue. Well, at least there was. Maybe not some, not as much anymore, the current, like the current, current culture, but... The idea of speaking out, you would you would be blackballed because no one wants that bad publicity. No one wants to ruin top stars. No, for whatever reason, for all the reasons that are wrong, um, which is why I said like one of the first things I said was you have to take all these allegations seriously. Don't believe them, carte, carte blanche, because like, like you know this, this statement believe all women. You can turn that around. But like, that's just just as absurd as believing saying believe all men. Um, but take them seriously and don't just write them off or blackball them because that's that's just as that's just as wrong as if not more wrong than the actual soul itself because it's even more traumatizing it's knowing that i'm not going to be believed 
well, I'm not going to be taken seriously. It's a and shitty position to be in. Yeah. Yeah. Because you just get looked yeah, at like you're uh, crazy and you you lose all sense of credibility and nobody wants to be associated with you. And like in a time where you need support like and you just get isolated, it's very traumatizing and it doubles the trauma from the experience. It, it permeates what's known as uh, in the psych world, the cycle of yes. abuse. Um, it, 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 it's that's a core thing is that there's a feeling of entrapment. And even if you know what's about to happen, it's like, what are you going to do? This is just something that occurred. So it's a little bit of entrapment, a little bit of Stockholm syndrome, because then there's a point in abuse where you start to protect the abuser uh, from from other scrutiny. And, and and it becomes it becomes a very damaging thing to to the to the person. Um, and it is uh, it is a it's a it's a huge power play at that point, especially when the abuser realizes that they have power over the person. They get away and they can kind of do what they want. And what you were saying that we have to take things seriously. I'll tell you about pretty much how I was trained to to be an investigator uh, for for New York State. Primary and primarily, you know, my agency is that anybody can call in an allegation. Anybody can uh, make that phone call and be the whistleblower per se, as another buzzword for everybody. And it is not my role as an investigator to make a decision mm-hmm. without having the information. I have to say, okay, someone's reporting this. I have to be under the guise that this is potentially true. Mm-hmm or this is more true than not, and then I have to find evidence to either support or disprove that notion. So in my in my terms, it's not a matter of like guilt or innocence when I initially hear it. It's a matter of, okay, I have to be under the premise that this potentially actually occurred, and now I have to back it up. Yeah, and that's, that's know, the right find, way to do it. Or find evidence. That's, that's how it, you, everyone should do it. Um. And the court of public opinion is literally the worst, the the worst thing ever. Like I can only imagine what was going around Twitter, and like for the wrestlers saying, you know, like fire this guy, throw him in jail, yada 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 yada. Without a lot of f bombs, exactly. Like without having that perspective of the investigator, because that's how I that's how I view these things. Um, some of them are more believable than others. Some of them. In my opinion, I might not necessarily be like a big deal, but who am I to decide? A big deal is a terrible thing to say, I know. But like, I'm, I'm, I'm on a lack for, a lack for a better term. Um, like, one is less severe than the other. Like, take what Sammy said, for example. That is worse than what Matt Riddle potentially did. Or not, not as bad as what Matt Riddle potentially did. And it's definitely not as bad as what Walter allegedly did. Right? And I, and I, and I do think a big problem with the whole... Um, like movement and the Me Too movement is that people view that as the same. I'm not saying us, I'm not saying most people, but some people do. They don't realize that there is different degrees of these things. Now, how you define that is completely up to you, but you know, Walter allegedly grabbing someone by the arm and not letting them leave and he's a gargantuan man as opposed to Sammy, Sammy, Sammy Guevara saying a stupid thing on a trashy podcast where the whole, where the whole gimmick is being trashy. It's not the same thing. 
The biggest similarity they have, though, is they perpetuate an aura of unsafeness in the locker room. Even though, yes, Sammy was joking and Sammy was on a shitty show, it still puts that into the atmosphere that if it's not Sasha he wants to rape, so to speak, it could be somebody else. Even if he would never do that, it's it's still in the air, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's uh it's one of those things where it's like as uh as people who are very big on spirituality are just like putting that energy out into yeah. the air mm-hmm. and if that energy and if that energy goes unchecked then it's kind of a silence is compliance if i don't say something that it must be okay mm-hmm. you know if someone doesn't check me for it then i'm o- then i'm okay in saying that and then you know you can go down you know thoughts eventually become actions because every action from a behaviorist perspective or from a cognitive behavioral perspective is predicated by a thought beforehand mm-hmm. yeah you know so if you think of if i if i think it therefore i if you know i think therefore i am which is lot which is uh logic and uh and philosophy but more so if i if i think that i'm going to do something if i say i'm going to do something and i know that no one's going to check me for it, but it's a little bit of a freeing thing, and you do it anyways. Obviously, a lot of these thoughts are automatic, and you don't really look into it. I just happen to have a stupidly <laughs> amount of 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 looking into those little idiosyncrasy seconds about how a thought becomes an action, and so you know that the the categorization of you know what's worse than something else is some it's a basic human thing. Humans list out everything look at a top 10 list oh yeah you know that's just how our brain works we want to categorize things we 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 have to the brain works as we have to put things in sort of a certain order because that makes it easier for us to process the the shades of gray are very conflicting you know we want things black and white as from a you know our that's how our brains want it and you know morality and things that are suggestive and uh, a matter of ethics and morals are things that we just can't fully grasp completely unless it's a black or white thing you know and even then people are like well what about this and what about this um and so it it's it, it's a it's a it's a juggle it's a juggling act that you do in your in your brain but fact of the matter is like you know if you're saying something and no one's checking you for it what's going to stop you and this is just in theory what's going to stop you from taking that thought that you're saying that you would want to do into action because no one said that's not okay that's just knowing the between right and wrong Right, I mean. That's also black and white thinking too, as well. <laughs> but what is white? What is right to you might not be right to me. Right. Well, I guess that kind of that's, that's more of like a, a cultural thing. Like I'll, I, I'm kind of push it this way. Like we talked a lot about um, in our group chat about like this, you know, guy culture, um, and that's just that's just what guys talk about. That's just, that's just what guys do. Mm-hmm. Like if you're if you're shocked that guys talk about attractive women and what they would hypothetically want to do with them in the bedroom. And you think that's wrong. I mean, you can think that's wrong, but that's just what guys do. I mean, I, I wouldn't suggest you do it publicly, <laughs> ever. Um, but, like, I understand the idea of changing the underlying culture, and I agree men need to be taught certain things. But from the perspective, I don't, I don't agree with what I'm about to say here, by the way. But like, from the uh, perspective of some men, it's just like they don't want to change because just saying those things and like having it's like having that locker room talk with the guys is part of this being a guy. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with having a podcast 
where you rank the top 10 hottest women in WWE right now, and it goes in and out. Now, I mean, theoretically, I don't disagree that content like that shouldn't exist. I wouldn't talk. I don't really care to talk about it. I, I, I'd listen to it. I probably, I do listen to it. Hell, there's some podcasts that I do where they just, they talk about women wrestlers like that. Um, does that make me a bad person? No. But, you know, that's just, it's, it's guy talk. And eventually, like, you know, I'm not, I don't assume I'm listening to that in my 30s. Like, when I have a kid, I'm going to grow out of it. But my, for a young guy in my 20s, you know, it's just, it's just stuff I have in the background, entertaining noise. Now, the whole idea that culture needs to be changed, yeah, it does. But the idea of this guy talk, I don't but think it's still, ever going to go away. But there's still a difference between saying how much you want to fuck somebody versus saying I want to fucking rape her. There is a difference. Oh, of course. Of course. I no, understand that young men are horny and young men are stupid. I totally am, like, understanding <laughs> of that. However, you... Men are not taught how to articulate your dumb, horny asses. So you say dumb shit like, I want to rape her, which yeah. is wrong. Yeah. No, that's, so, 100%, that's 100% true. Men just aren't taught. It's going to sound stupid that men aren't, aren't, aren't taught not to say it's, that. It's the dumbest <laughs> thing I've ever heard. And I don't like it just doesn't make sense to me that that isn't common sense. Yeah. It's one of those things where breaking down genders and psychology here i'm back again um is men are taught to do and not think mm -hmm. women are taught to think and then do yeah when they're and they're not it, they shouldn't be mutually exclusive like so for instance will how many times in college did you hear seal the deal <laughs> not as much as i should have but yeah <laughs> you know it wasn't like, oh, make sure she's okay with this. It's seal the deal. It's get yeah, it's, it done. Yeah, she's into you. Just go seal the deal. Close. Go close. We call it a closing. Yeah, yeah no, we, 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 we had a we had a we had a running joke. Uh, this is probably gonna, this is probably gonna get me canceled in ten years. But like we had we had a running joke with one of my friends from when the frat. Like he couldn't close. We had a K four situation, which <laughs> which which stood for cunty Kevin can't close. And it was just any time, like, he, like, it was a chick talking about, like, talking to a chick, it was always like, oh, how, what's going to happen? <laughs> how is he not going to close? Because I've, I, I'm not, actually, I'm not going to say what, I'm not going to say that. But, um, you know, like, he, he, he just, he couldn't close. And it was just a running joke in the fraternity. And then that's just, that's just another example of this. It's just, that's just guy shit. But may I offer just the opposite perspective course, while y'all are trying to close? So do you want to know what is happening while y'all are trying to close? And you know how, so when you're trying to close, at one point the girl is talking to her friends? Yeah, you got to pass the girl. The girl you got to pass, the, yeah, you gotta pass yeah. the friend test. I know, trust me. And then you guys have divided you have conquer. To pa <laughs> you have to pass the friends test out of safety. That's why the friends yeah. are as psychotic as they are. Yeah. Because if we think for a second you're going to do something bad to our friend, no way in hell is my friend coming home with you. No way. I have gotten him guy's face saying, if you think you're going to do something disrespectful, I'm coming for you. I'm a little person. But I have... I'm like a chihuahua, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and Kate, but, just, just, from the other, just from the other side of that, I, I personally totally understand the friend test. I understand why it's a thing. Um, but mm -hmm. I can talk from experience. Men can't stand the friend test because it's like from the perspective of a man, it's like you assume I'm just going to hurt you. Right? Like that. Like, we it, have it, to. I, 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 but trust me, I understand. But like that kind of thinking kind of works both ways. You know what I mean? It's like, a high majority of men are not going to hurt you, 
But the front test is there to know, ensure that I it know does. That. Right? Like the front test is there to ensure that it does. But men can get rubbed the wrong way by that for the right or wrong reasons. But it's just like, I can't tell you how many times men are like, I hate, the, I hate the fucking friends test. It's the stupidest thing ever. Like, you just assume I'm going to rape you? That's just ridiculous. Right? Like, and, and then men feel attacked like that. Um, it's like, it's just, you're just assuming that I'm a, like, that I'm just some kind of monster. For what reason? It's because men in general, like, right? Like, that's the kind of thinking. Um, <laughs> believe me, I believe in the friend test. It's for safety and that's the most important thing. But from the perspective of certain men who do, who are just completely normal people at a bar, <laughs> like that, it's, 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 it's a, it's a weird mindset that to be in that some men just can't grasp. The right normal men will understand yeah. it because I'm not going to say that all men are not into the friend thing because I have men that like totally get it. Yeah. Totally understand it. Like I don't like as much as I love shit talking men, I am not I don't believe that all men are trash, not not all that. It's just overall the culture and how men are brought up needs to totally change because it's ass backwards. And men just need to do better. Yeah. Like, I cannot stress yeah, that I can go enough. Into a whole thesis on, I can go into a whole thesis on male fragility, but I'll save that for uh, for my TED talk. <laughs> uh, but let's 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 start to close up here. I mean, obviously, we can go at nauseum about this, um, and I wish we could because it's a great conversation that we're having, and I'm really proud of you guys. Yeah, I thought uh, we were going to talk, uh, we talk more about specific cases, and then we were going to butt heads. <laughs> it, it's it's very hard to talk specific cases because there's there's just so much and who do you focus right. on and, and everything like that and we can even continue the conversation about how nxt uk might just be dislike. yeah i don't like, want to talk about you have it to be reimagined my favorite brand yeah. has been dismantled um the fact <laughs> that one of the first people to be called out is a now former daddy of mine is appalling and i have decided as a result of this daddy gimmick is officially dead never coming back it's cursed yeah. Well, for for the, for the, the UK brand in particular, um, that like the fact that most of these names were under NXT UK, like the UK in gen UK in general. That's that's is this a difference in culture in general? Like um, I was listening to Matt Men and Andrew Zaria, in front of the show, by the way, was talking about he was talking to um, a guy over in the UK, and the UK bar culture is just way different than American bar culture. Like, you want to talk about rowdy frat men guys? That's them on steroids up over in the UK. And another podcast I was listening to was pretty much saying that, um, saying, I'm going to paraphrase here, but saying like a girl is rapable um, is almost to be taken as a compliment, which is the exact opposite of anywhere else in the world. Because it's... it's, it's, it's Excuse me? I'm serious. Like it's it's to mean like she's she's incredibly attractive, but way out of my league. That's what it's supposed to mean in the British culture. That's the stupidest fucking thing I've ever heard in my of life. Of course, it's the stupidest, dumbest fucking thing you've ever heard in your life. But you know, it's it's a difference of culture. And so, in 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 the wrestling culture, the culture that pretty much combines all cultures for for all of us. How do we? how do we change the culture of wrestling to be, have it become more inclusive? Like we just, we just 
in less than 10 years began to break the barrier of the female wrestler being equal and being and having the capable star power to main event a major event like wrestlemania like the men are able to do we just broke that barrier where women can main event wrestlemania and for you know like her dislike her and she has her own issues tessa blanchard became one of the first ever females to hold a a historically male-dominated title a male-dominated world championship because i don't want to dismiss china from winning the intercontinental mm-hmm. title but even that was in a was in a quote good housekeeping match against jeff jarrett which you can totally pick apart for a lot of stuff but we are just getting into the guise of women can women can put on a show as equally as men in the wrestling world and wrestling culture has had to do very big systematic change in the past 30 years you're talking about um the steroid use which they had to clean up because they were court mandated to do by the united states government um you have the concussion protocols which they uh, blatantly had to do um because of after well they had to do especially after the chris benoit incident um and the drugs and all of that stuff and the wellness policy and those are things that have changed the culture and potentially positively affected wrestling as a whole so what is the next step how do we change the culture and this is going to be our final question before we go to break how do we change you know the this this perceived culture where men are running rampant and sexually assaulting whether it be by physical or psychological manipulation of their female-bodied counterparts. Kate, I'll, uh, I'll pass to you right now. I feel like this is just such a hard thing to gauge because, obviously, in order to fix the wrestling business, all of society needs to be fixed, but the world isn't fucking ready for that. So I feel that if anybody who is looking to open a school, to teach at a school, I think there have to be requirements put into place. Like, there has to be some type of like training class sensitivity classes maybe something that has to be done in order to at the at bare minimum educate these men or these women because i'm not gonna act like it's just men that abuse power women do it too but people need to at least be educated on the dangers of abuse and you just have to, I don't know, I'm very much a believer in the honor system. I want to believe that there is good in everybody and that you can rehabilitate and teach. I know it hasn't always worked out, but I would I would like to believe it's possible one day, that one day we'll be able to cut away this infestation of like sexism and abuse and racism and all these other horrible things this country deals with. So I think it's just a matter of like, we have to just do it one day at a time and we mustn't stop advocating for change in how the wrestling business handles their relationship with their trainees. That's a very big part of this. And every we just need to do better. Yes. Well to you. How do you how do we begin to change the this this culture that's in that has, I would say, for a number of buzzword folks, infested wrestling. No, I- I really have no idea. I I really couldn't tell you where to start. My brain is not fully formed enough to have that kind of opinion. Um, but if I had to take a guess, it would really be like really just, you know, knowing how to react appropriately um, to these situations. Like the situation with Sammy Guevara, I think, is a very good example of how to handle this. 
right? Like he got caught saying something really stupid, something he never should have said, um, inexcusable for sure. But, you know, he owned up to it. He apologized to Sasha. They had a long talk. Um, you know, Sasha Banks posted about it. Very well said on her part. You know, AEW stepped in and said, okay, we're going to get you this training course. You're going to be suspended without pay. Um, you know, that can be debated whether it was severe enough, whatever, but it was something. And personally, I think it, that was handled the right way. It was handled like adults. They weren't responding to a bunch of trash on Twitter. They weren't responding to an angry mob. They're responding to a situation made by adults, and it was handled like adults. So I think one step at a time, that is a good way to get the least ball moving in the right direction. And I'll close it out here. Thank you, both of you guys. Uh, I, in my, in my opinion, and from what I've studied with you know people in power and and stuff like this, it has to be like Kate said. There has to be in uh, continuing education, you know, on the part of the. Uh, trainer and also the trainee if you think about any job you've had one of the first things you do is you go into a crap ton of training yeah uh their videos or what have you but then you have to sign off that you took those trainings because of legal liability purposes but you are acknowledging on paper and that's a level of accountability mm -hmm. but you understand these things so if something happens it's not on your employer it's not on the company that employs you it is on you because you signed off and you acknowledge it. And there, there has to be a level of accountability. In order to change culture as well, you need to have a top-down perspective. What I mean is that the people in power, the decision makers, whoever they may be, have to say, this is something that we have to change and we are going to swiftly enforce this. A perfect example is how AEW has handled Jimmy Havoc and uh, Sammy Gravera. You can discuss whether they were severe or not, or what they, or or how you know, or what the punishment is. But AEW did not wait. Granted, some of the things that they were going through were very cut and dry, and I believe Jimmy Havoc uh, uh, did not deny anything that was alleged of him. Uh, but AEW did not wait a week um because we didn't have to but the evidence was right there but when it's when you find out about it and when you feel like you have enough information to make a determination that something happened more so than not pretty much a simple majority which could be as low as 51 percent you have to act accordingly and AEW did a good thing say hey we're not tolerating this we understand what sammy did was was heinous and and this you are going to come down but you're also going to provide guidance and provide assistance which aew has been doing a fantastic job they're not letting somebody go they said we will we will approach it later but while you're with us you know we're going to suspend you but we're going to send you to a mm -hmm. class we're going to send you the sensitivity training we're going to send you uh to get you know to get help in the, in the case of Jimmy Havoc, give him help for some of the things that are ailing him, psychological help. And when you're done with that, let's come back to the table. Let's discuss what you've learned. Let's, you know, really think about if this is the best fit for you kind of as a person. And I have to commend AEW for doing that. They've done it a little bit more publicly. WWE does it a little bit more privately. Um, and that's just, you know, 
uh, the differences on how they operate. However, there has to be in any sort of change in any culture, there has to be the person who is the perceived authority has to say, we are doing this. This is what's going to change now. Get get with it or pretty much get out, which is a very authoritarian. But that's kind of the way that you you really have to have to look at it. And also to to Kate, to, to your point, Will, I believe as well, is that we have to look at things from an individual perspective. You can't clump things together. You can have a general ideal. And if that in the situation that you're looking to does not fit that ideal, then you have to act and it has to be known. So you have to start setting a different precedent than what is uh, than what already is there. And I think now that we have awareness and now that the people who aren't in power are creating awareness to the people in power, this is how change begins. And now the people in power have to acknowledge that there is a problem. Yes. And yeah, it, it, there has to be acknowledgement on both ends that there is a problem. Now you got to come to the table and fix this. This is, uh, this is something that's coming to a head in all aspects of life <laughs> right now. And when you look, I mean, you look back at 2020, people are going to say it's the worst year. But this is a year where the culture of the world is changing. And you're going to remember yeah. this year, whether it be a wrestling culture, a world culture, systematic uh, racial equality culture, police culture. All of this is changing. And people always talk about they want to be at the time when when change is going on and change is happening. You're in it. You're in it right now. Now think about what side you're going to be on. Think about your role that you're going to play and how are you going to talk about this part of your life 20, 30 years down the road. And we're going to leave you on that. So we're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we've got a tournament to start. It is our Mount Rushmore. It is our Mount Rushmore tournament. It's going to be pretty, uh, it'll be pretty interesting uh, how things are going to go, but we'll explain all of it. Um, The opening round starts right after this break. This has been a Wrestle Attic Radio branded podcast.